0: got it. <laughs> Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It is time to grab your cup of coffee. I got my trusty new little J cup and sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. I actually got this cup, you guys, yesterday because every week, I the, the trash day is on Thursday, so I always bring my elderly neighbor's trash can to her uh, just because it started because I just wanted extra exercise. Right. And she lives. I have to. It's quite the walk to get to her house, even though she's like diagonal across from me. So yesterday she's standing out front with this and she goes, you do spell your name with a J. Right. And I said, yeah, she goes here. This is for you taking in my trash. And I went, oh, sweet. that's really nice. It was very sweet of their of her. Uh, anyway, welcome to Pia and Cullen. They are with us today to chat about the Pleiadian Earth calendar. And there is a lot to talk about today. And so I'm really going to throw it to you guys to ha- to carry the show. Of course, I'm going to ask questions because I'm annoying that way. And uh, <laughs> um, and then I'm sure people in the, the chat might have questions and I'll try to field those in for you too. But let's just say a quick good morning to those people who are checking in. Pam Zaruba, good morning to you. Tom Wright uh, says, Wahoo, Cullen and Pia and Janet, Astro family. I think he's excited. Awesome. Tanya, good morning. And Tom says, what time does this 11 o'clock program start? Well, you know, we were chatting behind the scenes, and I might have missed the exact timing for the show to start, which would have been 8 a.m. my time, 11 your time. Uh, But we can't be that far off. It's only 8.02 right this minute. But you might be speaking about the Astro meetup later today. That is at noon, my time. And that will be at, uh, what is that, three o'clock your time, Tom. Gayla, good morning. JLo, good morning. And uh, Kajela, good morning to you. And if I'm missing anybody, welcome to the show. Uh, so I don't even know where we want to start, except I do have an annoying question. So maybe that'll be the good place to start. Right. So you know you know how sometimes you know you're doing nothing of interest, like I'm taking a shower and I suddenly have this question. So I didn't have time to even look up if I know an answer somewhere. So I figured you two would be the ones. Now, in I think it was your Larkma post this week, uh, you were talking about Venus and the importance that the Pleiadians uh and the Pleiadian astrology places on the planet Venus. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the shower, my mind went to, well, how do the Pleiadians even know about Venus? I mean, we can hardly see that constellation from here on Earth. So, I mean, we can see it, but, you know, it's dim. So how would they even know about Venus? Why would they care about Venus? And therefore, then, why should we care about Venus?
1: Well, first of all, Venus is Earth's twin. Both planets were born into the solar system at the same time. And they have a lot of similarities, except that Venus now is almost completely volcanic and Earth is still a water planet. But at one time, Venus was probably also a water planet. In fact, it's really kind of interesting. Ancient lore says that Venus, Aphrodite, that the planet has been named after, was born on a clamshell in the sea coming out of the sea so there is a birth from the sea for the representative of Venus so water is really really important and I just wanted to acknowledge your epiphany in the shower this morning (laughs) because it's connected it's definitely connected but the Pleiadians are all about love and Venus is a planet of love it's the energy of love we have duality here that we're working with Venus is all about love in all of its unconditionality, but it moves through morning star and evening star phases. So the evening star is the receptive, the connective, the nurturing. The morning star is the stand up for justice, the assertion, the need to take care of things. There's a definite duality thing going on with Venus in her positions in the sky as she moves around the sun and we see her in those different positions. So I think the Pleiadians, because they've been with us for way over 5,000 years, you might have a comment on how long it's been.
2: Well, I'm gonna wait till you finish because okay. I, I have an answer too.
1: Okay, so oh, the Pleiadians have been working with Earth and Earthlings and trying to help us evolve. They are aware of this dance that Venus and Earth do together as twins and the patterns they make in the sky. And they can't help but notice what those patterns are of the sky and feel the energies about it. So that's the sort of technical explanation. What do you have to say?
2: Well, I have a much shorter, much easier answer to your question. (laughs) The Pleiadians see all. They see everything in the cosmos. So whether, whether this would be connected to us as Earthlings, as humanity, or just the stars in the sky that don't influence us here on Earth, They see everything because of their perspective. So my answer is, they know everything about the stars.
1: Yeah, Cullen often says that Larkma's a lot like Santa Claus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They they know whether they're naughty or nice.
0: So, so I guess my question then becomes, I mean, I get, I understand, you know, why Venus is important, at least to us here. But did the planet Venus become important to them as a representative in this solar system? Or do they in their own system, have some kind of reverence for our Venus? Does that make sense?
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. They have a reference to what Venus energetically represents that goes all the way through the cosmos. What's interesting to me about Venus, and this is is not anything that I've read or studied, this is something that comes from personal insight and intuition, is the the ordered numbering of the planets. Venus is in the third position. We have the sun, We have Mercury and we have Venus. That's known by everybody. But what's not known by everybody is that these numbering of the planetary positions are in direct alignment with the universal energies that are cosmic. One being initiation, two being duality, and three being creativity. So Venus is about creating and being the planet of love. Venus is about bringing forth something better of a higher vibration, through the energy of love. And the Pleiadians are all about that. They're trying to take that all the way through the cosmos with every evolving species that they help. So they are aligned with the energy. They see it from their perspective and they're taking that energy all over the cosmos. So
2: it's not just about planet earth. It's about all of the work that they're involved with in a much, much bigger picture.
0: I love it. So um, let's come forward to what is going to happen tomorrow when the Venus star point changes. So let's start with the Venus phase change because that's a little bit of a smaller picture of what's going on. And then the star point change, let's talk about that and what its impact is for us and what we might expect going forward with that Venus star point change. Sure.
1: So the Venus phase change is a point where Venus is Moving further away from us from our perception and closer to the sun, or further closer to us and further away from <laughs> the sun. It's about the movement and the interchange between Venus's rotation around the sun. So we have been in the place where Venus is the most distant point from the sun, in the darkest place. That relates to us having been in the darkest place. The phase that we enter into, beginning to borrow, is called transmutation, according to Adam Gamesberg's system, whom I highly respect. And in the transmutation phase, we begin our return to the light.
0: Here's his book, yes. The Light of Venus.
1: Absolutely, A great book. If anybody yeah. doesn't have that book, I, we both highly recommend it. I think I've read it at least three times. Yeah, yeah. His,
2: his insights are phenomenal. He's he yeah. is an incredible um, astrologer.
1: So the transformation phase is about transmuting, changing, getting out of the old patterns we've been in and changing from the caterpillar to the butterfly through the energy of light. And as we're entering into the light again, we get to understand this is really our time to begin to shine.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And so this means that we are getting ready to move Venus into a morning phase. morning star phase no No,
1: we're in a morning star phase now we're going into the evening star phase which is where uh venus was during the perceived birth of christ historically the brightest star in the sky so you can actually see venus at night better when it's in the evening
0: star phase than you can when it's in the morning star phase (laughs) so we can't see anything in the sky right now it's so smoky here
1: yeah, well, we can't see anything in the sky when it first enters this phase of evening star either. It's dim, okay. but by December it will be brilliant. By the time our solstice rolls around, we'll be able to see Venus as the lightest thing in the sky, including the moon.
0: So, so we're kind of so that phase takes some time. I just went through the rest of the calendar, and I don't see another Venus phase change in this year. So it's a long phase.
1: It's a fairly long phase, but there are phases. The phases come and go erratically. They're okay. not, there is a schedule for them, but it's not like the Venus star changes. The Venus star changes happen every nine and a half months, which, interestingly enough, length of a gestation. Exactly. Yeah. A new birth, a new opportunity for birth every nine and a half months. But the Venus phase changes, some of them are two days, some of them are six months. They change because of Venus's direct relationship, her own relationship with her orbit around the sun.
0: Gotcha. So that makes sense. So now that's a great segue to the Venus star point. Mm -hmm. And the star changes into Libra, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, So tell us about that.
1: So before we talk about that, I want to say that historically, Venus was way back before even the Greeks, back into the Babylonians, Venus didn't have the name Venus. They called her the bringer of light. Inanna? No, even before Inanna. Wow. Venus was known even before Inanna as the bringer of light. So no affiliation specifically with a goddess. They were just looking at this light in the sky. And I think that's pretty significant for us for a couple of reasons. We're about to enter into a collective shadow cycle on the 31st of this month. Oh, boy. For Yay! three years we go into another dark period. But this time, we're going to have the transmutation phase of Venus beginning to bring in the light. And we're going to have the Venus star phase of bringing us into a place of Libra. And that's a really interesting combination. Now, Venus has not been at the point of Libra for 250 years because it takes... 250 years for the entire Venus star to create all of its points. It makes, it moves around and makes a new point every eight years, but to get all five points, it takes 250 years to do that.
0: That sounds like Pluto.
1: Very similar. It's very similar. Very similar, but it has been in Venus. Venus was in Libra. The last time it began was October the 22nd, same date, of 1771,
0: just before our Revolutionary War.
2: That's yes. a, you just took the water information out of my brain, Janet. <laughs> this, this energy has not been available in the 250-year cycle since the U.S. and French revolutions. We are now going to be in exactly the same energy of those two revolutionary periods. So what, what we think, what we apparently try to understand through this information is that we are absolutely ripe. We are absolutely in position for a revolutionary situation, which P and I like to call revolutionary dash evolutionary leap, a, a condition that could allow us to make huge leaps in, in our personal and collective consciousnesses. So right now, we may be at the very, very beginning of a revolution.
1: And when it moved into before, when it moved into Libra, it didn't automatically go sparks everywhere and start changes and revolution. It was an energetic shift. And that's one thing that Larkma has been trying to get humanity to understand for a long time. Nothing happens on a Gregorian moment. Just because there's a Gregorian date and there's an energetic period, look at the wave of energy that's coming and how the wave is going to impact us. So it begins tomorrow on the 22nd, but we may wake up tomorrow and do our regular errands and feel like nothing's changed. Or those of us who are really sensitive may sense something's up. There's a shift in the air. More people are smiling. More people are standing up and speaking. And that's an important point also because Venus is representative medically of the throat chakra and our throat chakras have been shut down. We have not been saying what we need to say because we're afraid we'll lose our jobs. We're afraid we won't be loved, blah, 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 blah. All the fears that humanity has. We don't stand up and say, this is the truth and i'm going to say it with compassion and love but this is the truth so venus is also encouraging us to do that
2: and then and then there's a, another minor thing to to bring up just quickly it wasn't just the french revolution and the american revolution there were revolutions all throughout europe in that time era or that time epoch they're not as famous and they're not as well historically documented but there were many smaller yet important revolutions at approximately the same time so it was a wider spread energetic change worldwide than just the two big revolutions
0: yeah. so knowing libra libra as a sign that venus rules at least in in an astrological standpoint and knowing that Venus has such a beneficent sort of energy, it it kind of makes things um plays nice, <laughs> nicer. Well, but yes, no. You, you, you hold my thought there. At least, you know, that's the that's the thought. But when we're looking at Libra, the energy in Libra is really about the scales of justice and the scales, the balancing of energies. Yes. So wherever things are out of balance, then it seems to me balance would have to be restored. Would that be the purpose? And you think of a revolution and it's because the people or the parties that be are irritated or upset or mad because they are not getting what they need or Mm -hmm. things are unfair. Are we looking at that same kind of situation?
2: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But there's another thing that we can add to that that hopefully we've evolved enough to understand this 250 years that we didn't understand 250 years ago. (laughs) Libra, which you just defined so beautifully, is also seen as a masculine sign. It is, yes. That bringing in the energy of the scales of justice is seen as a masculine energy from Venus's viewpoint. However, Venus is coming into Libra as the evening star, and the evening star brings in the feminine aspects. So what we have going on now is a divine marriage. We have the divine feminine and the divine masculine presenting at exactly the same time and moving into a position where we can see unity rather than the separation that we've been experiencing forever. So it's really, really an auspicious change that Cullen and I have been really looking forward to. We want to see this manifest.
2: Well, it's it's an interesting composition of of what i guess i would call dualistic energies because what pia just described and what you described about the balance and the difference between the divine masculine and the divine feminine it's an it's another way of us understanding duality in a much more holistic a much more unified way pia talked about unity consciousness a moment ago this this possibility, probability of what is coming, starting tomorrow, could be a greater understanding for us as humans about using duality as a positive element rather than a separating or negative element. So we can use these energies to actually propel us into a deeper understanding of unity consciousness.
1: And here's the third level. We've got the Transmutation phase. We've got the Venus star, evening star, and Libra. The third thing that makes the perfect trinity is this is happening on the universal energy of eight, which is connection, and the earth energy of choosing, which is about making new choices. If you put all that together, I think (laughs) it's a pretty big gift tomorrow.
0: If only we would uh, be able to see how that gift is going to play out, because obviously we were given a a gift similar to this 250 years ago, but it resulted in wars and some very strenuous times. So knowing that we've evolved, even if it doesn't look like it, um, we've evolved somewhat. Can we expect um, maybe an easier time of it at this point or... Are we aimed at another difficult period of time?
2: Well, that's a really, really important and good question. And I think we could talk about the fact that we have evolved, hopefully, in these past 250 years. And I, I got that I got that um, reaction just now that you that you made Im- immediately. Have <laughs> we have we evolved sufficiently to do it differently? Yeah. This well, this has to do with the great split that our Pleiadian friends have been talking about, about people who are waking up, people who are realizing that maybe the world isn't really the way we've been told it is, or, or the reality that we've been spoon-fed may not really be the true reality. We may have been given an illusory reality for many, many reasons. And it's possible that there are enough awakened people at this point, compared to 250 years ago, uh-huh. that maybe we're able to make better choices. Maybe we're able to actually turn around the mistakes we've made during the past 250 years and do it differently.
1: But it depends on how much responsibility we're ready and prepared to take and willing to yeah. take. It's yeah, a there's, that's
0: a big part of it, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes. It depends on our responsibility level and it depends on the choices we make moment by moment.
0: Exactly. Now, there are a couple of questions coming in um, Mm -hmm. from Tom. How long is this Venus phase with the marriage one? I'm not sure what he means by that. He
1: means the the, what I referenced about the marriage of the divine masculine, the divine feminine.
0: Okay, And then is this a great time to get married? (laughs) (laughs)
1: I think whether it's a great time to get married would depend on some more personal (laughs) personal astrology. I wouldn't look at the global picture for making as intimate and personal decision as that. Ask Janet if you want to get married. She's more pro with that. Oh, God. European Earth energy dates also, I can give you those. Either way, but you need something more personal than the general. How long it lasts? We will be in this phase for nine and a half months. So it will be changing again in August. We'll move into
2: next August. Yeah. Next next, Well, This August has already happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I remember that month. It was warm and dry, sunny, (laughs) Uh,
1: August 13th, August 13th. We change into Leo. So the Venus star will take on a completely different personality. And,
0: I Leo's think it's interesting that it doesn't go in the same order as we think of as the as the uh, um, the zodiac. So it's jumping from Libra over to Leo. Well, uh, Janet, which makes sense in the way she's you know configuring her cycle.
1: It does, like a child draws a star. If a child draws a star like this, you know, with uh-huh. the star points, uh-huh. the, if the Venus star moves. Libra will be at the top, and it's going to move down. To the bottom, and then it goes across this way, and then it goes across that way. That's the way that it actually moves in the sky. But when it moves from point to point, it goes around in a helping hands way around the circle of the whole star. Yeah, so we, that's how it, it works in two different patterns. Now,
0: um, JLo asks a question that's really interesting How does this affect our Libra placements and the Libra house in our own charts? I mean, is this. It, does this really have a, an, a more uh, personal expression of uh, for affecting us, or is it just more on the collective level?
1: That's a really good question. I will, again, defer to you for your position on this. But what I would say from my position is that I think it would accentuate your Libra qualities that whatever qualities they are, negative or positive, will be accentuated. So it's a great time for you to step into the fullness of who you are as a Libra in your personal chart. That's that's what I would say.
0: Yeah, and I think because I already drew the parallel of the timeline to Pluto, uh, we think of in astrology as of Pluto as a... Um, collective planet, one, one that affects mm-hmm. the, the greater humanity and not just us as individuals, but we are impacted by it, mm-hmm. uh, it gets personalized by its placement in our own natal charts. Mm-hmm. So that would be, I guess there's not a degree of Libra, unless it just starts at zero degrees of Libra as we go into the star point. So you might have to, rather than looking at individual degrees of your Libra, placements look at it collectively what does libra bring to you collectively in your own personal chart does that make
1: sense that makes total sense and maybe janet also remembering that pluto is an outer planet and venus is an inner planet remember that all change begins within so if you've got libra as some of your guiding star energy then maybe you're one of the leaders in this particular time to help bring that
0: balance back that Libra offers on the scales of justice. Well, and a lot of the people that were born in the 80s, the early 80s in particular, had their own Pluto in Libra. Mm -hmm. I think late 70s and 80s, early 80s. -hmm. Um, So their own natal Pluto is matching the Venus star point in Libra. So that That's, ought to be interesting. The impact of that age group on the planet maybe gets brought to the surface. Um, that would be nice because I'm tired of the old men's club. <laughs> we are
1: too. We would love to see that. Yeah. Nothing and-
0: against men. I love them. But the old men's club, meaning that try to keep us tied to old paradigms and old ways of doing things and no energy to really see us through to a future that kind of thing that that's what i think we need to to let go of <laughs> yes yep. yeah yeah past right. time
2: past time to do that
0: way past time to do that and nothing personal to you know the bidens and trumps and people who are of that age group but you know the preponderance of the energy that we need on this planet right now needs to be faced by the younger people because Mm -hmm. They're the ones with the new ideas. They're the ones that have a lot of skin in the game as far as making sure this planet survives uh, for their children who are already birthed, right? Possibly, Mm -hmm. and yeah. So um, Tom says, so Venus shines a bright light on Libra and the house Libra is at in one's natal chart, much like having two suns. Interesting. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. I would hesitate to qualify it like that. Tom, only because the sun has so much greater power in the grand scheme of things. It is the center of our our solar system. It is, you know, our primary egoic uh personality selves. Venus is adding qualities to the sun that bring in unconditional love, that bring in values, that bring in Uh, abundance and things like that so but she'll be bright in the sky and I like that I like that idea of seeing her bright in the sky I I would
1: I would add to to that also Tom that as Janet just said the sun is brighter the sun is is bringing in our our personality all those things about our ego and how we see ourselves and who we are But Venus is teaching us how to be Venus is teaching us how to love. Venus is teaching us how to cooperate, how to speak out for justice. So you might see Venus as a wisdom elder.
0: Oh, I just had a great thought. Um in human design and, and actually even in astrology, Libra rules the seventh house. And the seventh house is the house of relationship. We usually think of it as marriage or our significant others, business partnerships, that kind of thing. But it also rules making and keeping agreements, and Mm -hmm. contracts, and the things that we sign that we agree to. So I think that's interesting, because I think a lot of the problems that are happening on our planet, especially, you know, as it relates to how, you know, we relate to each other, has to do with old agreements, right? Mm -hmm. Agreements that we made based in, you know, to life 250 years ago, that isn't correct for life now, or even, you know, people that still hold themselves to something like a a book that shall not be named that was written, you know, by many different people many different years ago that became the basis for an entire religious movement that really holds, you know, some energy that of of agreements that aren't necessarily pertinent to our lives now. So maybe Libra with Venus Libra star will give us the opportunity to create new agreements and uh, work together in, you know, a more balanced, harmonious kind of way. I mean, the Constitution of the USA at the time was a revolutionary document, right? I and it,
1: Venus and Libra is going to open up the gateway for us to take the initiative to do that. I don't think we can wait on Venus to give us permission. No. I think we have to no. recognize that it's open and we have to take action on it through using our responsible choices. But absolutely, it's time for new agreements. The old ones don't work.
2: Yeah, they haven't they haven't worked for a very long time. And I, I think your insight is fabulous, stupendous, because it is time to create a new understanding of agreements. It the, the yeah. old agreement, the old agreements in their time, as you said, may have been accurate for that time, but they don't transcend the changes in our, in our cultural evolution, in our social evolution, because we change over time. I mean, 250 years is a long time for, for a species like us to hold on to something that was right when it was written, but that doesn't give us the ability or the chance to, to make something that's more relevant for now. So yeah. I think your insight was fantastic.
0: And here's where it gets a little trickier, because in astrology, we don't take any sign really just, I mean, we do, we take a sign, Libra, it's all on its own. But we also have an understanding that any sign brings in its nemesis, its opposite, right? So in uh, Libra, we're bringing in Aries, and Aries has that and holds that warrior, Mars, masculine energy, and what we have going on at the moment is the planet Chiron, our wound, the wounded healer, our healing path in Aries, and the goddess Ares, who is kind of, a, you know, she's she's a biatch, right? She's going to create havoc yeah. because she tends to bring up for us the places where we are not being inclusive, where we have lost tolerance, Or where we're not in acceptance, and she's she's got a five hundred year cycle. So everybody on this planet at this moment has Aries in Aries, and so we're all participating in this drama that is creating a new bold path forward uh, in all things in life. And now you put the Venus star in Libra, perhaps what we get is the beginnings of that balancing. Mm but I think it comes at a cost in the beginning, right? It comes at, you know, we have to shake loose of our old stuff.
2: Oh, it rocks the boat. There's no, there's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, Which
1: takes us back to your question earlier, which we danced around and didn't really answer. You ask, is this going to be an easier time because our consciousness is higher or are we going to go through holy hell? I think we're we're in for a rough ride. I think we can tell it on a number of levels already. How many people are having a difficult time breaking loose of their habitual behaviors and beliefs? Almost everybody at some level is holding on to some belief, some habitual behavior, something they're doing that is attached to the old paradigm. So that's part of it. And the other part of it is we absolutely have to be open to doing things differently. And until we let go of the beliefs, we can't be open to doing it differently. So I think the universe will shake us from our toes. Mother Earth, (laughs) Venus, the sun with the solar flares that she's shooting out and which is bringing in more light. All of these things are shaking us up to make us wake up. Mm. We're also going through dietary changes because we're moving out of the forms that we are accustomed to into a lighter vibratory form. And that's a painful process because it reflects things that we're letting go of at a cellular level. So all of that's going on right
2: now. Any any birthing process, which we're absolutely going through at this time, that the, 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 the whole topic of what we're talking about is is a birthing process. And any birthing process is going to have some pain. It's going to have some unpredictability. It's going to have some change of structure. So we're going to go through something that may be a little bit uncomfortable, even if it gets us to a better place. Even if it if it makes the changes that are necessary, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy.
0: Yeah, but worthwhile. I mean, here's the case is that we all have choice and that's the part that we sometimes are uh we're, we're always making choices every day in every moment, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. And sometimes we are making unconscious choices, like we're choosing who to vote for, perhaps based on old beliefs. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm just making that up. But, you know, we are choosing what to eat based on a an upside down or a pyramid that was created, I don't know, back in the 50s or 60s things like that. So we have to really become more conscious of every choice that we're making, even in the face of what might be catalyzing events that create, you know, power struggles or war or whatever, you know, the potentials are that are coming up. It's our choices that count. And our conscious choices, why are Why am I doing what am I doing? What? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Right? That's, yes That's the thing
1: and choosing the easy way is not going to get us where we want to go we have to be willing to do things that are hard make hard choices change our lives say things that we've been holding back that we didn't want to say we have to be willing to do all of that in order to free ourselves to move forward mm-hmm.
2: and, and go oh, ahead no no well, no you go ahead what what i was going to suggest is that this this culture that we've created, at least in the West, where, where most of us live, is one of the most spoiled cultures ever, ever designed on this planet. We are so used to having an easy way. We, we have so many choices about almost everything, food, shelter, comfort, all the things that 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 we have been accustomed to obviously need to change because we can no longer tolerate the misuse of energy, the misuse of resources. Part of the change that we're talking about, part of the paradigm difference in what's been done for hundreds of years is not sustainable. We can no longer continue to do what we've been doing with our resources. So <laughs> that will change our comfort level, that will change our habitual, as Pia said, behaviors about what we think makes us comfortable. We're going to have to make some really big choices around that change of understanding that we're too materialistic, we're too wasteful, we're too spoiled. We need to make some fundamental changes really quite quickly.
0: Simplify, Uh, simplify.
1: Yes. One of the things we've forgotten or have been trained out of us, I think, probably trained out of us and forgotten, our medical establishments give you a pill for every pain you have. They want to make the pain go away with a pill. What we have forgotten is if there is pain there, something's wrong. If there is pain there, there's an imbalance that needs correcting. It's not something that you can gloss over with a pill. You can't just take a a numb pill numbing pill to get rid of the problem, nor can you take drugs or alcohol or addictive behaviors and watching television or internet or anything that we do addictive to get away from the pain. It isn't going to work. We have to face the pain and move through it. One of the things Lartma says a lot is that what you have to do to move through things is acknowledge what's wrong. You've yes. got to acknowledge it. You can't just stand there facing. I'm only going to look at the light. I'm not looking over here. You can't really do that. You've got to see what's in front of you in order to see what's out of balance that needs changing, and that's painful.
0: Right. It's hard because people keep hiding their heads in the sand. They don't want to. They don't want to look at it. Uh, and of course, you know, I I personally know people whose family members or even the, their their own selves have been. You know, definitely impacted by you know doctors giving out drugs or even self-medicating with alcohol. Mm -hmm. It is it is a big epidemic that has been going on on this planet. Um, to to get away from pain. Now, I wanted to I, I was really excited. I wanted to grab my little ephemeris for Human Design because I wanted to see what gate is Venus moving into at the time of the Venus star change. Just because she's she's the planet of our values of our relationships of love and unconditional love is a part of all of that. And as earth's twin, then is there a shadow kind of piece that we need to pay attention to her about? And she is making a move on the 20th. So that was yesterday, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. into the gate 50. So on the 22nd, she will still be at the gate 50 and the shadow of the gate 50 is about corruption And I don't mean like corruption at a government level, you know, where people are doing bad things and all that kind of thing. But corruption at the level of code that has been somehow um, corrupted or broken or in some way misinterpreted. So what we have a real opportunity to do is to take a look back, even at the level of our DNA. Because when we're talking a gate in human design, we're really looking at this place in your DNA that can restore the code. And the code in its highest and best is really about how we nurture ourselves and others. How do we take care? And in the code corruption, it is that we keep going and going and doing and doing. And, you know, I've got to keep this production up. So I'm going to have to take these pills because I have knees that hurt or I have something that hurts. And that therein lies another kind of code or symbol, if you will, that production orientation that we have that is chewing up resources, chewing up our own time, our own, our own energies. Mm -hmm. So we have an opportunity then to me, when I look at it this way of correcting the code, going down into the DNA, the cellular level, and changing that code.
1: Perfect. Makes perfect sense. That aligns exactly with what we're supposed to be doing right now. And yeah. it's challenging. It, it it's is. It's
2: challenging. It is. And that and that that drive to produce, that drive to to always be busy doing something, is absolutely adverse to nature and to who we really truly are. So if we can slow down, if if we can look deeply enough to change those codes, we can we can actually help ourselves to become more balanced simply through that understanding alone.
0: And uh, my friend, Londa, who's out there, Londa, thank you so much for being with us. Her mother passed yesterday. And I I can't even believe that you have the presence to be here with us and share this most beautiful saying. Um, And I'm going to read it out loud. It is in the chat. So for those of you who are seeing it in the chat, you know, you can probably copy and paste it into something. And it says by divine decree, and in the name of my divine presence, I release across all time, space and dimensions, all agreements that I've made in relationship to fill in the blank, due to the belief of fill in the blank, we call to the universal laws of grace, love, compassion, forgiveness, karma, and liberty to now support this release. We now release this.
2: Hmm. That's beautiful. That's wonderful.
0: Wow, Londa, thank you so much for joining us and bringing that out. Uh, uh, somehow I think I'm gonna have to put that up on my w- website for people to get to because I think that is a wonderful thing. JLo says I can pin it. I don't know how to do that, JLo, tell me what you mean. Pin it here as a comment. I can delete comment, I can block user, I really do not wanna do that. I can, oh, somehow you I just can... saved it, there now you guys can see it now maybe people can copy it off of the screen but uh anyway so that's beautiful thank you so much for coming on here and sharing that with us and of course our hearts uh go out to you uh during this time period uh, are we done with venus yet maybe there's two more things <laughs> in the for oh, those who,
1: for those who are interested in going more deeply into what we can expect and how we can work with these energies I wanted to offer the blog that I put out yesterday about stepping into these energies tomorrow. So you have the link to that, Janet, if you could share it when it's appropriate. And while you're, while you, when you do that, in the meantime, I just want to say that Venus, being the planet of love and in the third position of creativity in our solar system, is asking us the ultimate question. The ultimate question she's asking is, how do I have a loving response and create that loving response with every person and every situation in my life? That's it. the question.
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, I just posted the link in the chat for all of you. I posted it it's up at the beginning of the chat, uh, but I've just posted again the link to Pia's blog so that you can read about that. And uh, let's see, I can share this now too. There we go. There's that link. So we have that up on the screen as well. Now, I can't believe it. We only have about 15 minutes left. And I really, really want to talk about the shadow period that is upcoming. Now, the shadow, by the way, you were done with Venus, right? I am maybe overly excited about getting into the shadow period, because I feel (laughs) like it's always an opportunity for us to fast track the things that are no longer in resonance with us, that no longer are um, meant for us to be uh, working with. So go Pia or go colon, whoever wants to talk about this.
1: Well, collective shadow cycles always begin on the universal energy of four, which Mm -hmm. is foundation. So it's telling us, look at your foundations, look at your belief systems, look at your paradigms that need to change. Look at the foundation you have Feel the pain and figure out what you need to do. So they always start on a four. And then three weeks later, they always end on a universal 10, which gives us in duality two choices. Either we've done what we needed to do in that three weeks and we manifest something different. Or if we haven't done what we do, we bring in more challenges. So that's a clear outline of what the shadow cycles are intending us to do as we move through all the universal energies, four, five, six, all the way up, and then start over again midway through this three weeks with one, two, three, all the way up to 10. So I think we've been hearing about collective shadow cycles for a while, but the most important thing to know is it's not just something to watch or put your head under the covers. It's a collective opportunity. It's a chance to really make
2: change. We have to work at it. It's not, as Pia just said, it's not something that's, that's negative that we want to go, oh, I, I don't want to deal with this. It's something we have to delve into and actually work with in order to create that change. It's sort of like Groundhog Day. Yeah. If, we don't, if we don't learn from shadow cycle to shadow cycle in our own shadow work personally, we're just gonna keep repeating the same mistakes, the same situations, the same challenges are going to come forward to us if we don't do the work. So it, it's, it's, it's an absolute learning curve. We, we have, the information comes to us, whether it's through dreams, symbols, personal relationships, it doesn't matter how it's triggered but it will come to us. And what we have to do is look at it and do something with it.
1: One thing is important to point out here is the collective shadow cycle is exactly what it says. It's about the collective of humanity and not very many people are aware of how to work with their shadows. So it's up to us who are aware to do the work that we need to do internally in order to affect the external world. So the collective shadow cycle, while it affects everybody, we have the opportunity to be more responsible and do more work. And it's a little bit different than the individual shadow cycles, which happen every 60 days because the shadow cycles happen in Venus cycles uh, every 260 days, which is one Venus cycle around the sun. So this 260 days and then 260 days after this one, there'll be another one. And if we want to get it right, we have to work with this where we are now. Some individuals, lucky individuals, are lined up with their personal shadow cycles being in alignment with the collective shadow cycles.
0: Yeah. Isn't
1: Colin one one of them? (laughs) Yep. I'm married to one. I can tell you it is a rough set of challenges to have both things happening at once when it can feel to the individual like the outside world is just pummeling you, when what it's doing is giving you an even greater opportunity to do some inner work on the inside.
2: It's actually a wonderful possibility to do more work. It's actually a very positive um, connection with both of those cycles working simultaneously with each other if we have the courage and the strength to really delve into it. So in a way, I'm actually lucky that I have the double chance to do my work.
0: Well, it's like one and done, right? You're done every 260. You don't have you know, something coming up halfway between there, uh, that you have to deal with once again. But I've also noticed here, Pia, and I don't know if this happens all well, it must happen all the time because it's for being that Mm -hmm. this shadow cycle starts at. Is it always being energy?
1: Always Always. being because being is the earth energy of the first initiating earth energy of how we speak ourselves into being, how we act through our choices. So being is always the
0: beginning, yes. And then if I go backwards, the beginning of that week or that, that cycle is that one self-regulating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because so that, it's giving us, giving us a chance to regulate ourselves so that we can make a difference to the collective, which we're here to influence. We're here to support. We're here to help our species evolve. So and, absolutely.
2: And and those those personal things that we choose to deal with, those those aspects of ourselves that maybe we don't like so much if we are successful at working with those and resolving them it ripples out as pia said it ripples out and it affects everybody not just here on earth not just in our personal relationships but it ripples out into the universe
1: and it's going to end the the collective shadow cycle ends not only on 10 universal but the earth energy is enlightening have we Ourselves have we brought more light in? That's what it's telling us to aim for.
2: Yeah, that's that's why we really truly like this system of Pleiadian earth energy astrology because everything fits together, everything works in a logical, feeling, heartfelt way. It's amazing.
1: And Janet, you've shown your listeners this many many times, but this book, for those who want to go more deeply into this system and study more about Venus, this book will help you do that.
0: It is. It has, it's a great manual. I, I keep it right here up in front of me because I pull it out all the time. So it's easy access. I also wanted to note that the 10 enlightening energy comes on the, in the week of one illuminating. Mm-hmm. So and we that's, go from that's, one self-regulating to one illuminating. We do. That just Smell. feels right somehow. It it, It is.
2: That's exactly what I meant about it just falling together in a a marvelous progression of of understanding if we're willing to look at it.
1: And if you look at illuminating energy a little more differently rather than just the surface of what it means, which is bringing in light, illuminating energy and duality has two aspects, the high road and the low road, like every energy does. Right. Illuminating energy is about bringing in the light at the high road or submerging yourself into drama getting involved in drama 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 so we've got a choice and the fact that that comes midway through the collective shadow cycle is sort of like the universe giving us a cosmic nudge hey are you getting caught up in the drama of what's going on or are you being <laughs> involved in bringing in more light
0: right so it's also interesting to me that two eclipses fall like well the first eclipse it- is this Uh, coming Tuesday, that is going to be before we enter the shadow cycle. Uh, But it's at the beginning of the new Venus star point. And then the next one falls on the 8th. So it's going to put us, you know, right in uh, the middle of the shadow cycle on 12 feeling that's going to be an interesting day. Um, (laughs) So and you know eclipses in 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 astrology are really kind of game changers. They bring up the op they kind of show us uh, where we're out of sync with ourselves mm-hmm. and then w- with our truth, perhaps, or whatever the energy is. And this particular eclipse, the twenty fifth is in Scorpio, a sign of releasing baggage, right? Letting mm-hmm. go of the old of no. anything that stands in the way of you really presenting yourself in your passion and, and, you know, your full glory, so to speak. Uh, the next one in Taurus um, going to be the full uh, moon lunar eclipse. And, you know, in Taurus, to me, that is always a sign of making it simple, you know, getting it to its simplest uh, roots, coming back to uh, earth, if you will, putting your feet back on the ground. Is there any, Because it's not always going to happen. These cycles don't always happen at eclipse time. So it almost feels like that ramps this up a
1: bit. Absolutely, it ramps it up. And notice, Janet, the self-regulating energy that starts the collective shadow cycle Mm -hmm. is where we will have just experienced a solar eclipse based Mm -hmm. on outer personality, how we perceive who we are. The lunar eclipse that happens on November 8th is a full lunar eclipse. All about the moon, our inner self. How do we see our emotions? What are we working on to change? Again, there is a cosmic nudge here. Pay attention. Look at what you need to see. Work on it.
0: <laughs> Don't put your head in the sand. That's right. right.
2: These these energies with the two eclipses so closely aligned with them, the, the energies we've been talking about today, it's going to be a potent time. It's, it's going to give us the absolute ability to really shake things up and to really change things. And I I think this is going to be a game changing several weeks Mm -hmm. and we can either really tremendously move forward or we can fall back and do absolutely nothing and just wallow in the drama as Pia described. So, This this is a this is a time to leap forward and really make some spectacular changes, not only in ourselves, but governmentally, financially. Every aspect of what society is made of can make huge changes in these next few weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. So do these periods of time tend to be sort of like an umbrella where change can happen across broad uh, areas? Or is there some kind of organizing principle behind it that really sets the tone for that particular shadow cycle?
1: There's an organizing energy behind it, but we participate in how that manifests through our choice because Mm -hmm. the collective shadow cycles would enhance the dynamic tension that we're experiencing. Whatever's going on that's causing dynamic tension is going to build up like a pressure on a volcano until it blows and whether the release is going to be a positive release where we make some good changes or whether it's going to be a detrimental release where we annihilate ourselves. You know, we have the choice in how we participate with that, but we will all feel the building of the tension because the dynamic tension is the underlying principle that's causing this to happen. The Mayans referred to this as something that could not be escaped. In fact, they organized very violent ball games to have humans be able to release the tension within themselves. We're a little more evolved than having to kill each other or beat each other up. Oh, really? <laughs> Individually we are collectively with the government not so sure. Yeah. But we are. So we have a chance
2: to do it differently.
0: The question is will we?
2: Yes. Well, yeah. Always the question. That that is and we are capable of it. We are at this point able to make those huge and difficult changes and decisions. We can do it. We just have to realize that we cannot continue going in the same direction that we have been going in. And when we make that decision individually or collectively, that opens the floodgate for these changes that we all all are looking for to actually become a reality for us.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for that day. Um, But it does begin with the individual. So lest you believe that because this is a collective cycle, that you aren't a part of it because it's the bigger picture of what's going on in the bigger world, you are a part, a piece, a fractal of that collective. So things that you do, choices you make have impact in every, every way, every little choice you make just by choice of what to eat or what to buy at the store, or it, what to say to somebody has impact on the bigger collective energy. Or the energies. thoughts
1: you think, or the thoughts you think, that's a really powerful one. Remember that we're all drops of the same ocean. And so yeah. if you have a thought, positive or negative, it's going to ripple out and touch everybody. So what you just said, Janet, is true across all levels.
0: Yeah. Now, um, we've only got a couple of minutes here, and I am assuming that the um, calendar for 2023 must be about to come out or is available already. Is that true?
1: It is available. People can get it at their independent bookstores. It's also available for mail order if you want to do it online through Book Depository. They will ship anywhere in the world. They were, uh, because of shipping problems between our distributor in the U.S. and Book Depository who distributes in Europe, Um, there was a delay in getting them, but they're there now, they're established and people are ordering them successfully. So yes, just go to book depository, order it there or get it from your independent bookstore.
2: Yeah. It's a year. It's a European distribution company, but as Pia said, they ship worldwide. It doesn't matter where you order it from. They can handle any international order.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. So the 2023, is there anything new and different in that uh, version? There is a lot new and different in that version. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so they can get that. Now, there was something else. Oh, I wanted to share with everybody this morning something completely random um, that uh, Ursula told me about the other day that Lissa Royal Holt has now put her galaxy, her galactic cards uh, on an app. And so the galactic cards are these. Galactic Heritage Cards. So there's now an app that you can download with the Galactic Heritage Cards on it. So it it is one that's not free. It is $9.99 American, um, but I thought it was worth it. So the Galactic Heritage Cards are now available in an app. Your Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar is available through Book Depository or your favorite independent bookstore and yay, right? We have all these tools at our disposal. So,
1: And we also have the Pleiadian Wisdom Oracle Card Deck, which is the first ever Pleiadian Wisdom, Pleiadian Oracle Cards, also available. Got with those. guidebook book that reflects on what the calendar teaches and Lartma's teachings for the last two decades.
0: Uh, these are available also through Book Departments? Depart- yes. Okay, yeah. I think yep. that's where I ended up getting mine or something. I can't remember. Pleiadum Wisdom, Galactic Heritage, we have so many tools, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So thank you so much, Pia and Colin, for joining me here today. They will also be back with us again November, it looks like 18th, if that's, yeah, far away, but I can see the 18th, the Gregorian calendar, the 18th, and they'll be sharing us some more wisdom on that day. So thank you so much. And thank all of you for joining us this morning. And I will see you on Monday where we will take a look at this partial solar eclipse and tell everybody what they need to know about that. Take care. Love you all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.